0: Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Soboleski, and this episode focuses on finger dislocation reductions. And frankly, the thumb is the only one you're really going to mess up. And a lot of these techniques are able to be done by someone doing them for the first time, as long as you prepare. When you're dealing with dislocated fingers in children, you got to remember that fractures occurring at the same time as the dislocation are much more common than in adults. So your general workflow is to first get an x-ray, then analgesia and strongly consider a digital block, perform a reduction maneuver, do post-reduction x-rays, place a splint and discharge the patient home. Again, breaking out your netter is probably not necessary, but let's talk about a little finger anatomy. The index, middle, ring, and pinky finger have three joints. The metacarpal phalangeal, the proximal interphalangeal, and the distal interphalangeal joints. The thumb has a metacarpal phalangeal and an interphalangeal joint. The flexor and extensor tendons stabilize the digit, and the volar plate limits extension of the PIP and the DIP joints. This is the thing that can get stuck in the joint, especially the MCP, on fractures and dislocations. And in fact, the volar plate is what defines a simple dislocation, so the volar plate is not interposed in the joint, and a complex dislocation where the volar plate is stuck in the joint. In little kids, due to that stupid physis, fractures are much more common than dislocations. Why? Well, because the growth plate is weaker than the ligaments. Salter Harris II fractures are the most common, so there you go, that's one question correct on your boards, and dislocations in general occur more often with fractures. And oh, quickly, so during this podcast, I'm going to use terms like dorsal and volar and lateral. So dorsal means towards the back of the hand, volar is towards the palm, and lateral is either ulnar or radial relative to the proximal portion of the digit. So you walk in the room, chief complaint is finger injury, and part of the digit is out of place. What do you do? In kids, and if you're not sure the physis is closed, always get x-rays first. You get three views, AP, oblique, and lateral, and always remove any jewelry or rings. I think a digital block is a great idea. This is generally done with 1% lidocaine solutions. You can use epi if you want. The finger won't fall off. And it might be a good idea to buffer it with one part 8.4% sodium bicarbonate to nine parts lidocaine. Therefore, it'll burn less. And lidocaine burns because it's an acid. So buffer that acid. There's two techniques. There's the finger web space, which is that traditional. And then there's the transthecal block, which is also known as the flexor tendon sheath block. They both work great. And especially if you're going into the field or going to work in an urgent care, it's a great idea to learn both. All right, so let's start out by talking about dorsal dislocations. This is caused by axial loading, so a jam to the end of the finger and then hyperextension. Dorsal PIP dislocations are the most common dislocations that you will see in general. How do you reduce them? Well, this is the easiest one to do. You have to apply longitudinal traction. So imagine with your index finger grabbing the dorsal side of the digit and with your thumb grabbing the volar side of the digit, all distal to the dislocation, while holding the proximal part with your other hand. So you're pulling longitudinal traction and you're gently hyperextending the joint while pushing the base or the proximal part of the dislocated phalanx back into place. You test for full range of motion afterwards. is generally pretty easy to do and doesn't require that much force. So if you had a DIP dislocation, you splint the DIP in full extension while allowing full range of motion of the PIP joint. So you just put like a little U-shaped splint that just immobilizes the DIP in full extension. They stay in this for about five or so days, and then you can buddy tape afterwards. If you have a dorsal PIP dislocation, so the proximal joint, you put a dorsal splint, so a splint on a single side of the finger, with the PIP in 20 to 30 degrees of flexion. And they stay in this for two to three weeks, so much longer than the DIP dislocation. All right, so that is the dorsal dislocation. Let's talk about volar or palmar dislocation. These are actually much more rare in kids. And these are caused by dorsal and lateral forces that often rupture collateral ligaments and the volar plate. And very commonly, you'll see these with an avulsion fracture. So to reiterate, those dorsal dislocations in kids, you may not see those with a fracture. Volar dislocations, I bet you will. And it's because of these ligamentous disruptions, especially the volar plate, that makes volar dislocations possibly irreducible at the bedside. To reduce it, you start with the MCP flex completely, and then you apply longitudinal traction, then gentle hyperflexion of the digit while pushing the base of the dislocated phalanx into place. You test for range of motion afterwards. If you can't move it, well, that means either you didn't provide pain control in the patient's resisting, or more likely, you've got a more complex fracture with ligaments interposed, and you now need hand surgery to help fix it. Volar dislocations, either PIP or DIP, should be splinted in full extension. So you're taking a piece of that moldable aluminum splint, and you're cutting it to the length of the finger, from the tip of the finger all the way to the MCP, so that you can't flex or extend the PIP and DIP. And This is in full extension. They stay in this for four weeks. All right. Now, there's lateral dislocations, and this means the finger can either go in the radial direction, in the ulnar direction, and often it's either one of those plus dorsal or volar. And as you might imagine from what you just heard a moment ago, these often occur with disruption of the collateral ligaments. To reduce, and again, these are much harder to do than dorsal dislocations, you provide longitudinal traction then gently hyperextend the joint while correcting the ulnar or radial deformity. Again, test for full range of motion afterwards. If you've got a dislocation laterally at the distal interphalangeal joint, you splint similarly to that dorsal DIP dislocation where you get that U-shaped splint that's just around the end of the finger, stopping the DIP from moving. A lateral PIP dislocation is splinted similarly to a dorsal PIP dislocation. You've got the aluminum splint on the dorsal side of the finger with the PIP in 20 degrees of flexion. That lateral DIP is splinted for five to seven days. The lateral PIP is about two to three weeks. All right, now let's talk about metacarpophalangeal dislocation. These, again, often occur with ligamentous injuries. And you may commonly see this in the thumb. And this is the one that you can mess up. So I will pause here and say that if you see a thumb that is dislocated at the MCP joint, number one, make sure that there is or is not a fracture with a set of x-rays. Number two, do not pull on the thumb longitudinally you will very likely pull the volar plate into the joint and you have taken a potentially closed reduction and converted it into an open reduction. The technique, it's a little bit harder to describe, is you have a second person help you out here and you brace the hand and you flex the wrist. Avoid hyperextending the digit. Apply volar pressure, so on the palm side, to the base of the proximal phalanx and push to gently reduce. Remember, you are not yanking on the finger. You're not pulling on the finger in this one, especially with the thumb. That's a prescription for pulling ligaments into the plane of the dislocation. The splinting for MCP dislocations is much more involved than PIP or DIP. So if you've got a dislocation of the MCP joint of one of the four fingers, so the index through the pinky, Immobilize them at 30 degrees flexion with an ulnar gutter or radial gutter splint for at least two weeks. You have that patient fall up with orthopedics or hand, and then they'll get changed into a less bulky but more specific splint. After successful reduction of the metacarpal phalangeal joint dislocation of the thumb, you put that patient in a thumb spica splint with the MCP in about 20 degrees of flexion. They'll stay in this for three to four weeks. Patients who have had a successfully reduced finger dislocation should see orthopedics, specifically hand surgery, and or their primary care doctor within seven days. Now, if it's a dorsal dislocation, you can be a lot more liberal with the follow-up, but definitely those lateral or volar dislocations, especially those with a avulsion fracture or Salter Harris II fracture, you got to see ortho or hand if you've got them available. Patients can return to play if they don't need that hand immediately and the sport lets them do it, right? So if a kid can be in a, in a splint and have it padded and they play soccer and the league says it's okay and their coach says it's okay and their parents says it's okay, all right, back to the pitch. If they're playing baseball, they're going to have to take some time off and the splint has to be off and range of motion has to be normal for return to play. MCP dislocations are about six to eight weeks before return to play. Most patients who have had a simple finger joint dislocation do really, really well. Fractures, that's a different story. If you fail a reduction attempt or two, there may be an interposed bony fragment or a ligament precluding reduction. So stop trying at that point, right? And if they tried to reduce it on the field once and failed, maybe try one more time. And then if you aren't getting anywhere, Talk to ortho. Joint stiffness, especially with PIP dislocations, can last 12 to 18 months after dislocations. Recurrent dislocation is much more common in MCP dislocations. All right. So again, if you suspect a finger dislocation in a child or adolescent, get an x-ray first because especially with volar or lateral dislocations, or MCP dislocations, you are much more likely to see a fracture in combination with that dislocation or just a gnarly fracture alone. Analgesia is a great idea for the reduction, and please consider a digital block. Learn multiple techniques and use them well. You then perform the reduction maneuver, get a set of post reduction x rays because you can cause a fracture by the reduction, place in an appropriate splint and discharge them home to follow up generally with orthopedics or hand surgery. All right, so that's all for this episode on finger dislocations in children and adolescents. I hope you're able to visualize some of the injuries and at least start to form a pattern of practice around some of the techniques. This is definitely one you're gonna wanna review and certainly practice and or watch a video before doing for the first time or if you haven't done it in a long time. But students, residents, you can do this. And remember, if it's the thumb, don't pull on it because you are highly likely to take a closed reduction possibility and making that an open reduction by pulling a ligament into the volar plate. You wanna learn more pediatric emergency medicine stuff? Check out my blog at PEMblog.com. Follow me on Twitter at PEMtweets. Check out the Facebook page. I would really appreciate if you could leave me feedback as well. So that means sending me an email leave a comment on the blog, shoot me a direct message on Twitter, or leave a review on your favorite podcast site. For PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.